0: Well, hey, Lake Point family, guys, it is so good to be with you this weekend. We are right in the middle of a series called A New Normal. What we've been talking about the past couple of weeks is the reality of our lives today is a new normal. We're living in a new reality that we're having to adjust to. I mean, we're having to wear masks now. Uh, We're trying to adjust to what our new school schedules are gonna look like and working online and Zoom meetings and all that kind of stuff. And if you're like me, Josh said it a couple weeks ago. All we really want to do is go back to the old normal. There's a lot of things that we just want to go back. We want to start eating out with our friends and spending time with people and coming to church in person. I know it's what we all want to do right now, but uh, we're trying to adjust to what this new normal looks like. But one of the things we wanted to challenge you with is in considering what our new normal looks like, there's some things from our old normal that we don't want to make a reality in our new normal. We want something that's better for you. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about pace of life. And quite frankly, if we were honest with ourselves, we lived our lives at, a, at breakneck speeds, right? Our, the pace that we were living was completely unsustainable. And we talked about in our new normal, living in a life that is sustainable and talking about where our priorities really should lie. We talked about relationships. Remember Pastor Steve talked about Prioritizing significant relationships in your life that are going relationships in your life that are going to uplift you, that are going to encourage you and spur you on towards uh, loving God more deeply. And then we talked about marriage last week. What a powerful message that was! We talked about prioritizing that that really important relationship in your life. What I want to talk to you today about, uh, and quite frankly, I want to challenge all of us in, is living a life that is spiritually alive, living our lives that, uh, that are filled with a kind of spiritual passion. I mean, I mean quite frankly, don't, isn't that what you and I all want to do, is to live lives that are spiritually on fire? Matter of fact, if we think about um, when we first came to know Christ, think about that. And you remember that, what that relationship looked like, and you were hearing about God's grace and his mercy for the first time. You heard about the fact that he had died on a cross for you, and he forgave you of all of your sins, and you were eternally pardoned that you would spend eternity with him, and the kind of passion that that, uh, that put inside of your soul, and you lived with this kind of spiritual excitement, right don't you remember that that matter of fact uh, there's a passage in scripture where Paul says that's really the way that we ought to live all of the time. Take a look at Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Says this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. That word spiritual fervor, I mean, it's not a word that we use all the time, but that word in the original Greek actually uh, means, you can translate it passion, but it actually means to boil inside of you. Do you remember what it was like to have a spiritual passion for God that just felt like a fire inside of you, something that you couldn't contain? When you were around your friends or people that you loved, you always wanted to talk about your relationship with God. You were hungry for his word. He was a centerpiece of your life. You could say that every time you prayed, you you sensed the presence of God in your life. When you read God's word, you felt like God was always speaking directly to you. Most of us would say at some point in our life, in our spiritual journey, we had that spiritual passion, right? A spiritual fervor. Most of us had it. But if we were really honest, at some point in your life, you could also say, I feel like somewhere along the way, I lost it. And I don't know how I lost it. I don't know where it went. I mean, I still love the Lord, and we still attend church, and we still participate in a lot of religious activity, but most of us would say that there has come a point in your life where that spiritual fire inside of you has diminished, that somehow it's gone down. We attribute it to a lot of different things. We talked about pace and how pace will rob you of joy and peace, uh, especially in your relationship with God. You can, you can attribute it to circumstances in your life. Man, you go through a difficult time and it could certainly weigh on the spiritual fire inside of you. A lot of us will blame COVID and say, I ain't spiritually passionate anymore because of this, this pandemic. And it's weighed on you heavily. We might, we might use the excuse because we aren't able to gather as often as we are, my spiritual fire has somehow diminished. And I'll say this, man, there are a lot of times where uh, circumstances in our life can diminish our spiritual passion. But I want you to take a look with the at scripture at another church, another group of believers who had a spiritual fire, but somehow lost it. It's found in the book of Revelation chapter two. Jesus is actually speaking to the church at Ephesus. And it's interesting when he starts out his conversation to these folks, he starts out by saying, guys, you are, you are uh, clearly on fire for God in terms of the works that you do, the kind of doctrine that you have, the stances that you take on current cultural and moral issues, in your day and time. Guys, you got it all together. You work harder and persevere under harder circumstances than most people. But then he says these very pointed words. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 it says this, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. So here's what he's saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that it is possible to have a a relationship with God, to be doctrinally pure, to be on the right side of current moral and cultural issues and not have a real fire, passion, or love for God. It's possible. It happened to the church at Ephesus. And this is what he says to him. This is where he challenges him. He says this consider how far you have fallen can we just stop there for a second and allow those words to penetrate our own hearts will you just consider for a moment how far you've fallen where you were in your life spiritually where you were in your fire and your passion for god and consider where you are now i think if we were all honest with each other most would say there's a huge disparity with where i i have been and where I want to be, and where I am right now. So here's the deal, guys. If, if God commands us to have this spiritual passion or this spiritual fervor, and, and it's something that you and I desire, how then do we get it back? And Jesus answers that question in the very next passage. Look what he says. He says, repent. And then he says this. Do the things that you did at first. He says, consider how far you've fallen and then repent and do the things that you did at first. I heard a preacher just recently sum this passage up by saying this. He says, when it comes to your spiritual passion, you didn't lose it. You left it. When it comes to your spiritual passion, it's not something that you lose. It's something that we all abandon at some point. There is a heart posture and practices in our life that fan the flame of our spiritual passion at one point and at some point in our life those become irrelevant and we push those things to the side so what Jesus is challenging us today and I think what you're going to see also Paul saying in our next passage is that there is a posture or practices that we can put into our life that will span fan a spiritual flame in us we can get our we can get our passion back is that what we want guys we want our passion back don't we So let's take a look at Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. And I think what you're going to see here is Paul says some of the same stuff. He's saying that there is a heart posture, a way that you and I can go through life. And and, and when we do, when we put these practices into place, and when we assume these postures, the spiritual passion that we once have will come alive. Here's what I want to show you. Heart postures of those people that are spiritually alive. It's here in Colossians chapter two, but it's also in, in some of the people that I've seen. And you all have seen them. You've seen those people that just walk around and you just feel like Jesus is all over them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Man, they just have something inside of them that carries them through whatever circumstance they might go through, wherever they might be in life. There's just something that, that's inside of them. That's the kind of passion that we want, right? Let me read to you Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. It says this: Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. The first posture that I want you to see in this passage is that those that are spiritually alive live their life with open hands. Those that are spiritually alive live their lives with open hands. Uh, Many years ago, I traveled to South Africa for the first time, and I met an amazing couple. They run an orphanage down there called Rehoboth. Their names are Alphonse and Yvonne. Man, they're just remarkable people. And guys, the stories they tell about the way that God is using them and uh, and using their orphanage are, are remarkable. Some of the most amazing God stories I've ever heard came out of that area of South Africa. But then I began to ask Alphonse and Yvonne, I said, tell me your story. How in the world did you guys end up here? They're from the Netherlands. And they said, well, actually, um, my f- husband Alphonse uh, had a, a marketing, he was at a marketing firm. He was a, you know, he had a big shot job in some marketing firm there in the Netherlands. And, he, and Yvonne says, I ran a veterinary clinic. And she said, we, we had the greatest jobs, the greatest life, until one day I got an email about an orphanage in South Africa that was run down and lacking funding. And there was only just a handful of kids that were there at the orphanage, but she said something about that email gripped me. And we began praying about this. And she said, she said we just decided that we knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that God was telling us that we needed to move uh, our family uh, down to South Africa and run this orphanage. And I thought, how in the world do you guys make a decision like that? They had two little ones they moved their entire family and quit their jobs and moved to South Africa to run an orphanage sight unseen. Man, how did they do it? And this is, this is what she told me. It was one of the most profound things I've ever heard Yvonne say. She said, Greg, we used to live our lives like this. And everything that God would give us, we would hold onto tightly. And she said, we just decided to start living our lives like this. And if God wanted to put something in our hands, man, what an incredible blessing. And if God wanted to take something away, it was his to take away. And they lived this life with this sense of total surrender and trust. And I saw it there, right there. There's the sense that she was spiritually alive because she lived her life in total surrender to God. It's in the passage we just read, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, right? When we accept Jesus Christ, we don't just accept him as, as our Savior, the one who has taken away our sins, but also as our Lord, the one who demands control of our life. And matter of fact, when we had a spiritual fire, that's, that's the way that we lived our life, wasn't it? We left, lived our life as if God could have anything and everything he wanted in our life. We used to pray prayers like this. Thy will be done in my life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But at some point along in our, our spiritual journey, we start doing this. Well, thy kingdom can't come, but my will be done. And we start holding on to the blessings that God has given us as if they were ours to keep. And we move from total surrender and trust in our life to, back to total control. And what we're saying today, what this passage is saying, is that if you want to live spiritually alive, you've got to live your life with open hands. This is what it sounds like to live with open hands. Just taken from Scripture, Isaiah uh, chapter 26, verse 8 says this. Yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for your, you For your name and your renown are the desires of our hearts. That's what it sounds like to live with open hands. Or like Isaiah said, he said, here am I, Lord, send me. Or Jesus modeled it for us as well. He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. But what? Not my will, but yours be done. This is what it looks like to live with open hands. Those who are spiritually alive live with open-handed, live open-handed and they implicitly trust the Lord with everything in their life. You wanna live spiritually alive? You wanna live a life with spiritual passion? You gotta surrender trust to him every day. The second posture that I think you'll see in this passage um, is those that live spiritually alive live with a devoted heart. Take a look at uh, verse six. It says this, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up and established in your faith. Now for many, this would actually describe you in your early faith. You were growing in your knowledge and your understanding of God and his voice to you was clear. But oftentimes people come to me and say, Greg, I just feel like that I don't hear the voice of God anymore. Have you ever been there? You ever been in that place where you just say, man, I don't sense that God is speaking or working in my life anymore. And usually the first question I ask is this, Tell me how your devotional life is. How often are you reading God's word? How often are you praying? Most responses are like, well, you know, you know, I've been pretty busy lately and that's kind of fallen on the back burner. Here's the, re, here's the reality, guys. The truth is, is that God has not speaking to us, stopped speaking to us. We've just stopped listening, right? Let me, let me uh, illustrate it this way. So when it comes to gift giving, I am actually a terrible gift giver, all right? So uh, my wife will, will help me out in any way possible. She'll leave me notes, cards. She'll leave a, a magazine sitting out on the counter with a big red circle around what she wants, right? And still, I you know, I come to two days before her birthday, I'm frantically searching on Amazon trying to find something that she wants, you know? But the reality is, is that my biggest problem is that I'm not just a bad gift giver, I'm a terrible listener. Because she's told me all along what she wants, you know, that sort of thing. Now, Rebecca, on the other hand, guys, she's a great gift giver. And the reason she's good is because she listens so well. You know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about a project that I wanted to do. And anytime I got a project that I want to do, there's always a tool. So just in under my breath and in passing, I said, man, I probably need to get a hammer drill for that. I don't have a hammer drill. And that kind of thing. Well, fast forward about two or three weeks on Father's Day. Guess what I opened up on Father's Day? Rebecca's version of a hammer drill. It wasn't exactly a hammer drill, but she did her absolute best. She thought she was getting what, here's why. She was listening over and over again. She listens so she can know the desires of our hearts. You know who else is really good at this? We've discovered Alexa. Guys, Alexa's listening all the time, okay? Matter of fact, we were having a conversation in the kitchen the other day about, you know, it's probably about time that we get, you know, a new mattress, and we're talking about do we get a queen size or king size, what brand and that sort of thing. Fast forward about 20 minutes, and I open up my laptop and get on Facebook, and every ad was like for Sealy Posturepedic and sleep number beds, all right? She's listening to everything that you say, and here's the cool thing about our Alexa. Alexa knows my voice, can discern my voice from Rebecca's voice. She can, if I ask what's on my calendar, she's able to tell what's on my calendar, not necessarily on Rebecca's calendar. Do you know why? Because she's listening all the time. (laughs) She's, and I'm buying into that conspiracy theory. I really, and you don't believe me, Uh, Alexa, are you listening to me right now? Just ask her. And right now, uh, echo devices are going off in everybody's homes all across the community, right? It's true. She's listening and she knows all about you. But that's my point, guys. That's the point. The more you listen, the more you listen to the voice of God through his word, the more you'll be able to discern when he speaks to you in your life. You'll be able to hear that still small voice of God. And then you'll know more about who he is and how good he is, right? Yes. You've got to listen, guys. And it's got to be a, de- the reality is, is the passion, the source of your passion for God lies in your devotion to him and his word. How devoted are you? How devoted are you? The, the, um, the third heart posture that I wanted to share with you that I've observed from other people and, and I see here in scripture is those who live spiritually alive have a shoes-on kind of faith. Now, let me explain myself, okay? Because recently, we went on a little road trip, and we took the family. And this happens every time we go on our road trip, all right? We get in the car, and we start driving down the road. And a couple hours in, my kids start yelling from the back seat, hey, we're hungry, we got to go to the bathroom. Parents, we've all been there, right? And we say, okay, listen, we're going to stop in about 20 minutes, we're gonna stop and have lunch, okay? And so everybody can get out and get ready and all that kind of stuff. And then usually we come up upon the exit and I make the exit and I yell to the back, hey guys, we're getting off the highway. We're, we're, we're making our stop right now. And I pull into the gas station or the restaurant, pull into the parking spot, turn off the car, get out of the car, shut the door. And I turn around and all my kids are still in the car. I'm like, what are you guys doing? They said, oh, we haven't put our shoes on yet. I'm like, you guys have known for like 20 miles that we're stopping and I'm hungry and have to use the restroom now and, and now I have to wait on you to get your shoes on. I don't know about you parents, but that is so frustrating. They knew we were gonna stop and they weren't ready for it. Here's what those who are spiritually alive live like. They got their, sh- the, their, they got their shoes on all the time and they're ready for whatever God puts in front of them. Yeah. Right? Right? The truth is, is God has told us that he's going to put opportunities of ministry and love and compassion, opportunities to give grace and mercy to people in front of us all the time. And the reality is, is we don't live ready. We don't, we let those opportunities go by all of the time because we're not looking for them, Right. We need to have a shoes on kind of faith. I think this is what Paul was talking about here in Colossians chapter two, verse six. He says, so walk in him, right? He's saying, you, we, we've got to live as if Jesus is going everywhere with us and wants to work in every aspect of our life and want to impact everyone that we come across. Matter of fact, it reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter four, verse two. This is, what, this is what that passage says. It says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. What does that mean? In season and out of season. In season, we need to preach the gospel to people and we need to live out our faith in front of people when it makes most sense. The oppor- some of those opportunities are clear. The opportunities to share love and share our faith and talk about our faith and walk with people through difficult times, some of those times are pretty obvious. They make sense with people that we know and people that we love. And when we come to church and we sit in our life group and we're sitting with our family, those opportunities make a lot of sense. But there are some opportunities that feel a little awkward, don't they? We come across people that we don't know. Circumstances that we're unfamiliar with. And we're a little timid in in order to share our faith and love and compassion with people. But this is exactly what he's challenging us to do right here. There are times where it makes sense. And there are other times where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And he said, you need to be prepared to do it then too. There are people just like that 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 live spiritually alive. That have a shoes on kind of faith. One of those guys is a friend of mine. His name is Jerry. A lot of folks know who Jerry is. And when you meet Jerry, I can just promise you, you're gonna know exactly what it means to be filled with spiritual passion. The guy is just alive and you can't miss it when you're with him. Man, he, he, he he will tell you about Jesus whether you know him or not. He will, he will share his faith with you. He will pray with you. He will extend love and compassion to you in any circumstance and in any place. And we experienced it personally as a family. Many years ago, my daughter, was, when she was born, uh, right before we took her out of the hospital, she had a heart condition that, we, that went undetected, and she immediately was, immediately was taken down to uh, the NICU. And she was down in the ICU and they were hooking her up. And I I gotta be honest, one of those scary moments in your life, guys. Parents, you know what I'm saying, when you're afraid that your child is not gonna make it. And we were in one of those moments. And I remember standing in the ICU room uh, over my little girl, Abigail, just praying and man scared out of my mind. And Jerry came walking in. Man, and he filled the room with this spiritual passion and life. And he said, hey, guys, I want to pray with you right now. And he prayed the most beautiful prayer. And I can tell you that it meant the world that he was there. And it meant the world that he prayed for us. He was prepared in season. It made sense for him to be there. But this is what happened that that just blew my mind. As he was turning around to walk out of the ICU, there was another young lady sitting across. We were sharing a room with another family. And she was sitting alone in her chair watching her little baby. His name was Brandon. And she was just as scared as we were. And Jerry looked over and saw her, didn't know who she was, but just walked over into her and said, hey, young lady, do you know Jesus? <laughs> just like Jerry would. She goes, yes, sir, I do. She go, he goes, good, because I want to pray for you right now and I want to pray for Brandon. So we made all the doctors and all the nurses come in and we all gathered around, little Brandon and that mom. And we prayed for her. He didn't know her. He didn't know her circumstance. He didn't really know if she even knew Jesus. He just saw a woman who needed the mercy and the compassion of God in that moment. It didn't make sense, but he did it anyway. And, God, and guys, I'll tell you, as he left that room, she was in tears. The doctors and nurses were in awe because they saw what it looked like for somebody to live out their faith with a spiritual passion. It was alive. It's what you want, right? We want to live spiritually alive. And in order to do that, you got to have your shoes on, guys. And you got to be ready in any circumstance that might come across your way. Whether it be the clerk that's checking you out at the store, the waiter that you come across, the person that you bump into that you don't know, whatever it may be, there are opportunities that God puts in front of us every day. And we got to be ready for every one of them. The last thing that I think is unique to those who are spiritually alive, is they have their eyes on the cross. It's right there in Colossians chapter two, verse seven. He says this, he says, do this overflowing with gratitude. You can't help it. You can't help it but to live with your eyes on the cross, not to feel a sense of overwhelming joy and gratitude when you understand the implications it has on your life. Matter of fact, Paul goes into it uh, just a few verses down in verse 13. He says this. He says, you were dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. He says this. Then God made you alive. In Christ. And He forgave all our sins. Thank you, Jesus. And He, yeah, that's right. And He canceled the record of the charges against us and He took it away by nailing it to the cross. Guys, when your gaze is fixed upon the cross, you can't help but to live a life filled with gratitude. And that gratitude, if you allow it to fill your heart long enough, You can't help but to build a spiritual passion and fire. You will come spiritually alive. You just look at what Jesus did for you. You're reminded of the gospel. We say it this way. Preach the gospel to yourself every day and the fire that once was in your soul will be reignited. You will feel that spiritual passion again and you will live in a way that is spiritually alive. Guys, that's what we want, isn't it? That's what we all want. So guys, let's let's allow the posture of our heart and the practices of our lives to be aligned in such a way that you and I could live in such a spiritually alive. Will you pray with me now? Yes. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you first for your son and for the incredible gift of salvation he gave us on the cross. God, we are forever indebted to you because of what you've done. Father, we are just in awe of the mercy and the grace that you shower us and you give us each day. Father, let that be the way that we start our day every day. And may the posture of our heart be one that, that, is, that is fully surrendered and yielded to you, Father. May, may, the, may our schedules reflect our devotion to you in your word, Father. And I pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see opportunities that come across our way every day to tell people about the goodness and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our Church Online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit slash digital.